beaches of South Florida. Is that you? Hello. Oh my gosh. How in the heck are you? You look amazing today. It is so good to see you again. Come on in. Have a seat. Follow us or subscribe or whatever it is your medium requires and stay a while. We'd love to have you as part of our family. Say, while you're here, can I get you something to think today? Well, if it's all the same to you, let's get on with the show. While driving to work one morning, I was munching on a sweet, freshly picked and washed carrot. And oh my goodness, if you haven't experienced the taste difference in a freshly grown carrot, you is missing out, my friend. Anywho, amidst my savoring carrot moment, I felt the buildup of my regular morning sneeze or sneezes. And without warning, it exploded. And those brightly colored savory carrot bits were all over my windshield and the dashboard and the steering wheel and the side panel of the door. What could I do? I laughed. What are the chances? Within reason and at the proper time, it is a damning mistake to withhold your life errors from others, especially your family. Allow them to see your flaws. Give them somewhere to go when they have difficulties, when they make mistakes. Don't allow life to look perfect for them. They will begin to expect the impossible and then feel like they have no one who will understand them when they hit a pothole or a dead end in life. We turn to those that understand weakness and that we can trust with our follies and errors. When it comes to the naysayers, I apply the following prescription. What other people think of you is none of your business. Just don't go there. That's my happy pill. Your imperfections can be glorious if you allow it. Make space for that grace. Have you heard the quote, an error doesn't become a mistake until we refuse to correct it? Well, remember that so that you don't have to relearn it. Write it down. An error doesn't become a mistake until we refuse to correct it. Aspiring for quote-unquote perfect is a recipe for disaster and failure or quitting. Perfect effort is always possible. If you're shooting arrows at a target and a bullseye is a perfect shot, what is it when we miss the bullseye? How do we rate our misses in life? What are we telling ourselves about missing the mark and making mistakes? Do we give up if we aren't perfect the first time we sit down for piano lessons or shooting hoops? What about the 10th time or the 100th? We're not looking for the impossible destination of perfect. We want the journey to be a process. If missing the mark is an expected and essential part of living, then an error at the target range is only found in the quitting or refusing to try. One personal rule of mine that I always keep in my quiver is never straight, always forward. We need to be around those who will let us be confidently wrong. Those are the good people in life who get the avoidance of making the perfect mistake. 
It has been a prosperous year of gardening for me, and by that I don't mean trouble-free or easy. I have weeds in my garden, big weeds. In fact, this year my weeds have been the biggest and most abundant that I have ever experienced. But alongside of those weeds are some of the healthiest plants I have ever known. My tomato cages are literally bursting and dropping to the ground. The other plants are growing spectacularly as well. So do I curse my weeds? Or do I see them as evidence that I have good soil? Doesn't good soil produce all kinds of plants, wanted and undesired? I've learned to expect and appreciate the resistance and the weeds. There is a really good chance that if we are in denial about our perfectly flawed life, then we are also fighting for limitations in our experiences instead of looking for meaning. One gives us growth, the other some damning misery. Spencer Kimball once said, "He who cannot learn by others' mistakes is stupid. He who cannot learn by his own errors is a fool. Your errors can become a beautiful bridge for others." if you allow it to be built one of my all-time favorite go-to pieces of poetry is by will allen drumgool it's entitled the bridge builder an old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide side through which was flowing a sullen tide the old man crossed in the twilight dim the sullen stream had no fears for him but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide old man said a fellow pilgrim near you are wasting strength with building here your journey will end with the ending day you never again must pass this way you have crossed the chasm deep and wide why build you the bridge at the even tide the builder lifted his old gray head a good friend in the path i have come he said there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way this chasm that has been not to me to that fair-haired youth may pitfall be he too must cross in the twilight dim good friend i am building the bridge for him the best advice for crossing a minefield follow someone we need to be prepared to laugh at our follies once while trying to impress a supervisor at a new assignment i'd been given as his right-hand man i tried to assure him by being witty in referring to myself as the character radar o'reilly from an old tv series entitled mash But instead I remarked that I would do my very best to fill the responsibilities he was entrusting me with and that I desired to be his corporal clinger. Knowing the series well, he looked rather shocked at my blunt remark. You see, Radar O'Reilly prided himself in preemptive helpfulness, which was the trait I was aspiring to. It was baffling how Radar always seemed to be one step ahead of his commanding officer. Corporal Klinger, on the other hand, was a troubled soldier who cross-dressed and tried to eat an entire jeep to get a section 8 from the military. Honestly, 
it took me a while before I found myself humorous from that mistaken identity. Our high school class advisor was Mr. Compass. He was ingenious at seeing opportunities for fundraising and seizing them. Early on, probably in our freshman year, a popcorn machine was purchased for the class, and it made the class some buttery and salty money for the entirety of our high school experience. No matter who was using it for their concessions, we got paid. We were a small class of about 34 students, and by the time we were ready to graduate, we had enough money for the entire class to travel to Disneyland for grad night. Then we had several hours at Universal Studios, then a round-trip flight to Mazatlan, Mexico, a few days in a beachfront hotel, deep-sea fishing, and playing in the ocean. We caught giant crabs and put them in the motel pool where they chased the other tourists. We surfed and boogie-boarded. We enjoyed the salty ocean air and avoided drinking the water. Although the slimy red thing at the bottom of my bottle of orange juice couldn't have been much healthier. Ugh, still gives me the willies. While in Mazatlan, we had an evening that we wanted to experience some fine dining and try fresh seafood that we might not ever experience again as Arizona inlanders. So about 10 or so of us and a handful of adult advisors found ourselves at as reputable of a restaurant as possible in Mazatlan. We sat around a large table so that we could all see each other, you know, visit and talk as we shared our meals. My cousin Matt was sitting next to me. He ordered some fancy clams of some kind with butter and other sauces that I couldn't identify. The one he shared with me tasted a lot like pencil erasers. Not sure why I would know that, but it was probably part of a multi-course meal from kindergarten that included Elmer's glue. I had ordered, amongst other things, the chilled octopus. And honestly, it had a decent fish taste once you got past the texture. I offered some to, uh, well, let's just say a cousin across the table, uh, who will remain anonymous to protect her from embarrassment. She said loud and clear, I don't eat anything with testicles on it. A little shocked at her blunt remark, we all started to giggle. And she replied, what? What's so funny? I said, they're tentacles, cousin, not testicles. To which she immediately went red as a beat and giggled it off. We all busted out laughing with her. So many years ago and still a perfectly funny moment. See what I did there? We are going to experience humbling moments. We're going to say ridiculous things that we didn't really mean. We need to embrace the embarrassment, laugh at ourselves before anyone else has the chance to. And as far as the octopus tentacle slip up, I hope that you are laughing, Lorraine. Oops, I'll edit that out. Here are my takeaways. Sneezing and life can be messy and unavoidable sometimes. Celebrate your glorious imperfections. Tentacles can be a mouthful and a tongue twister. 
Trying too hard to impress your boss can make things awkward real quick. If we don't build bridges, we are forcing those who follow us to make the same mishaps that we did. What bridges are you building? What bridges have you crossed? And who built some of your most important bridges? And to all of those who have been imperfect around me, thank you. I needed you. Well, Dad blessed it. I sure enjoyed the visit today. If you gained something from it, be kind enough to follow us and leave a review. And do it right now. If you would, it'd sure be appreciated. Your comments have been so considerate and honestly left me blushing. And good night. Those reviews make a big difference in the program's visibility. On the Apple platforms, you select the Go to Show option. And then click the circle plus sign at the top right to follow. Then scroll down below the episodes to leave some stars and a review. Them algorithms need all the help they can get so as I can disrupt more good folks like you. So I tell you what, if you got a friend or three that you just don't like very much, well, share this podcast with them and let us bug them for a while. And if you have comments or suggestions for future discussions, well, don't just keep them to yourself. We, we'd love to hear from you. You can DM us on our Instagrams at FYO.podcast. And thank you. Are you still there? Remember to download the Family Tree app and see how you are related to the people from today's episode. All those links will be included in the show notes. Sometimes it's important to look a gift horse in the mouth. Your gift is your ancestry. Your superpower is their family history stories that make you. Not a one of us crawled out from under a rock, regardless of what you've been told. You have 4,094 grandparents, over 12 generations, with thousands of love stories, battles, difficulties, sadness, happiness, and expressions of hope for the future that allows you to be here today. We are the culmination of so many things we did not choose. It was designed that way. So be gentle with yourself and others. Take the time to learn yourself through your family history stories. There are innumerable tributaries flowing into the life experience that deceptively seems to be your own, but it's not. So think about that as you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Russell M. Nelson stated, When our hearts turn to our ancestors, something changes inside us. We feel part of something greater than ourselves. (laughs) I concur. Thank you for joining me on another unbelievably true adventure. Find your family history superpower and activate it. Until the next time, bye.